It's a new dawn for Arsenal Football Club, for bedsheet sign makers, meme creators, light aircraft aviators, and for the world of football. It's Burkamp. That's magnificent. Faced by Southgate, pulled back towards Parler. Came to Henri! Off and running, instinct shot. Arsene Wenger is stepping down after 22 years and 17 titles with the Gunners. Is he burnt out? Well, he is called Arsene. And who will be Arsenal's chosen one, the man to fill those special boots? Well, today it is a very special, totally football show, looking back on the man who changed the game in England, who gave Arsenal their greatest days, but whose relationship with them had lost its zip, much like his winter coats. Well, joining us on... This Totally Football Show Wexit special are Ian McIntosh. Hello. And Michael Cox. Hello. And we'll also have a plethora, a flurry of Guna-related voices, including the big gun himself, Ian Wright, a little bit later on. Michael, you quite literally wrote the book on the Premier League. This is a man who, for younger listeners, perhaps not aware of the difference between Premier League before Wenger and after. Could you just give us a sense of the difference, the change, the revolution that he brought in the game here? Yeah, I mean, he was massively revolutionary. I'd say probably in three major areas. The first um, was the diet and the physical conditioning of players, which is frequently spoken about. But I think the differences before and after are just massive. People always talk about the, the diet in terms of what food they were eating, but I think actually in terms of the amount of alcohol they were drinking was, was one of the major differences before and after in Wenger's reign. I think the second thing was the fact that he recruited players almost exclusively from abroad. It's worth remembering that until December 95, there was a three-foreigner limit. Uh, he came in the next year, and that was perfect for him. He was only the second foreign manager in the Premier League at that time after Ruud Hullet, and he instinctively knew there were some great French players out there, basically, to recruit. The likes of Petit, Vieira, even Henri, um, had, had struggled elsewhere or were relatively obscure players, and he brought to England, and everyone copied that almost immediately. And the third thing was that he shifted English football away from quite a brutal, direct kind of four-four-two, get the ball wide and cross it in, and played quick players, technical players. He wanted Arsenal to play football. And, you know, within the space of basically two and a half years, I'd say, Arsenal went from being the team who were considered the most boring in the Premier League, winning 1-0, having a great defence, to, you know, having a manager who was uh, winning the league in style and a manager who could almost get away with talking about football as an art and wanting to entertain and, and all these things that would just be impossible for uh, George Graham or indeed Bruce Rioch to have said before him. Mm. Recent years have seen him more a figure of controversy, of declining performances on field, of his almost a myopic approach, both in terms of tactics and also anything remotely controversial that he was asked about. Uh, Ian, it's it's a bit like when Sir Alex went, though. It's it's one of the, the prime features of our footballing landscape 
that is that is being basically taken away. Yeah, it's, it's very like when Ferguson went in, the fact that everyone sort of half expected it and it still feels like a massive cultural bombshell. Everyone remembers where they were, everyone's phoning their friends. Um, it's it's a really strange day. Uh, you just hope that history will judge him, you know, properly um, and for the good stuff as well as the bad stuff. I mean, before Wenger came along, I mean, Arsenal finished 10th in 1993, albeit while winning domestic cups, uh, 12th in 1995. The last manager before Wenger, Bruce Rioch, took Ian Wright aside and told him to be more like John McGinley. You know, Arsenal haven't always been this giant elite kind of European club with all the money and the lovely stadium. Um, They are where they are because of Wenger. Mm. And it's worth remembering that when he arrived in 96, the decision was met, well, by some with derision, but certainly with a lot of Uh, perplexed reactions. This was, after all, an unknown coming all the way from Japan. Arsene Wenger's been in Japan for a year. He doesn't know anything about English football. He's unaware of the demands of our game. And to play four games in eight days is crazy. I spoke to Capella last week at Madrid and he says it would never happen in in other countries. Well, anyone who's experienced Arsenal fan TV will know that there's some pretty vehement reactions flying around on this Friday to Arsene Wenger's departure. The fans, the majority, I think, probably fair to say, had long since felt that it was time to go and, and were voting with their feet. Our friend Tyo Papula, superstar DJ turned producer, is of course known to many from the Tuesday Club, but also brings you the Totally Football League show and is an Arsenal season ticket holder. Let's get his take on the news. It's a sad day. It's, a, it's, um, it's met with relief and it's met with sadness. Everyone acknowledges it should have happened by now, that he should have left by now. Uh, you know, there's some shriekers and more vociferous supporters who've got their own way of doing it. And, you know, today's not the day to, to criticise that. But it is relief because, you know, you've been watching a kind of, not a legacy being destroyed because you can't because he's been there for so long and done so much good stuff at the club. But... In bold terms, in in 2018, then the you know the, the football's not good enough. The challenge each season isn't good enough. The ivory tower that Arsenal fans have always lived in, in terms of playing good football and seeing progression in terms of you know youth players coming through and making stars, even that hasn't been happening for the last well since 2011. You could argue. I think. The dream certainly died when Van Persie left, and, and, and that was that, really. So, yeah, so it is relief, but that's not to tarnish a reputation and a legacy for a, a man who's done so much for not only the club that I support, but for the, you know, for the, for the English game. Yeah, absolutely. Could you give us, off the top of your head, a best bit under Wenger and maybe a worst bit as well? I think the the league win in '98, culminating with the you know the Tony Adams goal with Steve, to Steve Bold with Tony Adams running through. And it's Tony Adams put through by Steve Bold. Would you believe it? That sums it all. What he did with that back four, the fact that you know there's a, a lofted through ball from one de- central defender to the other, sort of personification of what. Arsene Wenger tried to do that's the first thing that came out of my head for for a best one the football that we played that season the balance between the new people coming in and the old guard that he kind of um, reshaped I mean a low point (laughs) they've been piling up over the last few years you know whether it's the catastrophic losses to our rivals this has been surely the lowest experience of all his near 15 years as Arsenal manager Manchester United 8 
Arsenal 2. Only someone like Arsene Wenger would probably could keep his job after that. So, you know, that was a that was a real low. But there's been too many of those, James, in the last few seasons for me. So, you know, I've, I've gone back into the to the memory banks for the lows. But, you know, of any of the insipid losses over the last few years, and similarly in Europe, the best would be the Barcelona match at home, um, and similarly losing 10-2 to Bayern Munich on aggregate, it's, uh, um, that's a low as well. So, Without question. Tayo, how, how do you think the atmosphere is going to be then this weekend? You've got West Ham arriving for the derby Saturday lunchtime. Well, in this situation, I mean, we, you know, you see, you see this with dead pop stars and retiring politicians. People will put it to one side, and there'll be, there'll be applause, and there'll be, you know, we're on the home run now, aren't we? With a couple of home matches left for a start, there'll be some people there. So, um, the empty seats or appearances in the last few weeks won't be there. Um, but then, equally, there's there's so much around at the moment that there'll be a lot of people shouting good riddance probably as well but you know I for one and my lot as it were will be supportive and um, in praise of him as, a, as, as, as we've always been really How crucial do you think the empty seats at the Emirates have been in the timing of this move Michael? Yeah I think it probably was crucial um, I was at the game on Easter Sunday uh, when they beat Stoke 3-0. And it was quite sad afterwards in the press conference because it was obvious a lot of fans had stayed away because they weren't that interested. They were they were kind of bored of watching Arsenal. And Wenger was kind of having to make these excuses about it being Easter and it being a family day. And I did think, actually, that's quite sad. He's not making excuses for the football. He's making excuses for basically the fact people don't want to watch the football. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, I mean, we're not very good in England at these kind of fan protests. You know, we're, we're very good at you know, going in 10 minutes into the game or whatever. Whereas if you look in Germany, for example, when they have just emptied an end for a game, the board have been forced to react. And it wasn't as deliberate an effort as that. But I think it was the same effect. It looked quite bad on television, um, for one thing. And I think that does come into it these days. You want to project an image of the club. At the end of the day, the, the club was still getting the money from those fans. They'd bought the tickets, they weren't turning up. But it was the image of the club was starting to look a little bit shabby. The honours list in the in the good times under Wenger, some would say more than more than makes up for the disappointment after. It's extraordinary. I think seventeen honours, uh, Premier League champions three times, seven FA Cups, seven Community Shields, twice won the double, and of course the the invincible season, which pretty hard to imagine anyone matching at the moment. When's the moment for you, Ian, that it all went wrong? And was it Arsenal's fault, or was it the fact that at the time that Arsenal happened to be moving to a new stadium with all the financial obligations that entailed. There was an exponential rise in riches elsewhere. Yeah, th- this is the thing. It's th- there are a number of external factors. One is the, the move to the stadium and the fact that that constricted their spending, which, to be honest, if they'd just said that at the start, I think that would have saved them a lot of bother, but they were always Did insistent it wouldn't, right up until towards the end where the, the anger was growing, and then they started to, to say. But no, at the very beginning, they were saying, no, the stadium's not going to have any effect. They probably would have been better going the other way. But the other big thing was that Chelsea had suddenly far more money than Arsenal. And then Manchester City came in. Um, and, and they just they didn't have that dominance and they didn't have the ability. 
Had it not been for the oligarchs, would we see Arsene Wenger remaining a competitive manager then? Or do you think maybe the ideas had been caught up with too? Quite possibly. I think the fact that suddenly Chelsea were sitting there chucking twenty, twenty-five million pound on players at a time when twenty, twenty-five million pound was the kind of mo- a figure that would make you go, <gasps> it, it isn't so much now. But that that obviously had an effect. But also, you know, there were other things. The last time they really had a good shout at winning the title was ten years ago, the oh seven oh eight season. Um, which was actually my first season as a journalist and I was covering Arsenal pretty much on a a weekly basis then Um, and I remember them beating Blackburn on a February night and someone in the press conference said is that it then, is that the title race over because they were so far out in front and they ended up coming third What happened? They had the William Gallus tantrum, Eduardo broken his leg. The Birmingham game. The Birmingham game. And then it all just fell away from there. But the following season, a lot of people forget there was a sliding doors moment there. They were in the Champions League semi-final. Manchester United at home. And I swear to God, I've never known the Emirates like it was that night. It was a really, really hot sort of May night. Um, and the Arsenal fans were extraordinary. The noise was amazing. The stadium felt incredible. And Jisung Park scored after eight minutes. And then Ronaldo walloped in a free kick from 40 yards and that was it and really from there on it's just gone down and down and down and I think for me the turning point was when they were beaten 3-0 by Roberto Martinez's Everton in 2014 and I thought this is it it's gone but he's had four more years since then yeah yeah I disagree slightly with Ian I think people forget that Arsenal finished second two years ago behind Leicester City and I mean, Danny Welbeck scored a last-minute win against Leicester, I think on Valentine's Day in mid-February, and Arsenal went odds-on for the title. And I really think it's it's almost a kind of two-pronged problem. I completely appreciate the fact that the oligarchs meant that Arsenal had to consolidate their position and finish fourth. And during that period, I think finishing fourth was a success for Arsenal. But if you look at what happened after that, they brought in Alexis Sanchez, they brought in Santi Cazorla, they brought in Mesut Ozil. They had a very good team. I think the problem then was the mentality of the club was geared towards actually fourth place is fine. And I think they struggled to push on. I don't think they had that winning mentality, whether that was because of captaincy or leadership or just the general vibe around the club. I think Arsenal have actually had a couple more title challenges than people think. Well, one man who's in no doubt that Arsenal should have gone years ago is the former Arsenal player turned broadcaster, Stuart Robson, who takes time out from putting out the bunting to speak to us now. I think Arsene Wenger has left the club in a little bit of a state in terms of the personnel they have on the playing staff, the mentality that they've had, their lack of character. It's not going to change when a new manager comes in straight away. He's going to have to spend two years probably getting rid of a lot of players, bringing lots of players in, uh, changing the whole mentality of the football club. That might take him quite some while. And will he be given chance to have uh, be able to do that over the next couple of years? Or will the fans and the board get frustrated if things don't go right straight away? Right. Stuart, there's been a lot of criticism of Wenger and and his approach, and, and you've certainly had your complaints about what has happened to Arsenal in recent years. But on this day that he announces he's stepping down, overall, how would you appraise his impact on the club and the game? Uh, for the first, uh, I suppose, seven, eight years of his tenure, he had a very good impact on Arsenal. Uh, he had a very good impact on the league. Arsenal played some wonderful football. They were pleasing on the eye. Uh, he produced some great players. But the last 10 years, I think, has been almost a disaster for, for Arsenal. Uh, we've had fans fighting each other uh, in the stands over whether they think Arsene Wenger is good or not. The amount of money that's spent on young players and then they haven't been developed. Um, the, the terrible losses that Arsenal have had uh, in Europe at times. Uh, the lack of coaching that's been going on. I think the last 10 years have been really poor for Arsenal. 
uh, Wenger and from Arsenal. Uh, so you can you can look at it whichever way you want to. Uh, the first 10 years were great. The second 10 years, nowhere near good enough. The similarities to the Man United years, and obviously there's a, there's a worrying precedent there for Arsenal. Stuart saying he thinks it's going to be some lean years for the Gunners. How do they avoid going through the same kind of fall-off that United had under their chosen one? Well, they're going to avoid the fall-off because they're not too far away from that point, <laughs> to be frank. I mean, I mean, Ferguson went out with a league title and I think under Moyes they finished seventh, didn't they, the next season? Last time they finishing sixth or maybe seventh if they slip behind Burnley. So that's the situation now. And I think Arsenal need to use this He's as... He's been his own David Moyes, essentially. Well, <laughs> Arsenal need to use this as a bit of a positive and be brave, I think. Because when they were finishing top four every year, I think it was understandable to get a safe pair of hands in a kind of Carlo Angelotti figure who would steady the ship and keep them going along that same course. Arsenal can't fall much lower than this now. I mean, you look at how the budgets work in the Premier League. If one of us was to take over Arsenal and have a disaster, we'd probably finish about ninth. The difference between <laughs> sixth and ninth in terms of what it means to Arsenal, doesn't matter. So this is an opportunity for Arsenal to be brave, to get someone young, to get someone new, who's going to inject some fresh ideas, because to a certain extent, there's nothing to lose at this point. See, this would be my opportunity to disagree. And I think that the, what they've got to learn from Manchester United is they've got to look up, not down. Manchester United hired someone who had done very well with fewer resources and had a very good track record of youngsters. And there was never any point where Moyes really looked or felt right. And there were lots of reports behind the scenes. He just didn't really have that kind of big club thing that you need in in dressing rooms that have changed. And as much as I love the idea that the progression of the manager that you do well, some sort of Eddie Howe figure done well at Bournemouth, maybe this is his chance. I'd run like mad away from that and I'll be looking for someone who's got an armour-plated ego I'll be looking towards someone like Diego Simeone you know that that kind of character who can just come in and withstand what's going to be an incredible amount of scrutiny and also the the very human difficulties of the fact that you're coming into an organisation that's been led by one huge personality for 22 years there's a big power vacuum there you've got to win over um, a, a lot of people in a lot of departments you need the biggest character you can go for well let's get a Quick word then from another man who's got a unique perspective on this because he's French and deeply embedded in the whole Arsenal setup. Julien Laurent. Jules, why now? Good question, Jimbo. Very good question. I think he really pondered it this time. I mean, in the past, he was quite stubborn about it. He wanted to always stay until the end of his contracts. He, he always wanted to stay anyway. And I think for most of the season, he wanted to stay you know, for the for the last season of his current contract, uh, for next season, uh, and I think it, it it I think it took a lot of time to think about it this time, maybe more than than ever before, uh, with you know seeing the things with the fan that probably got to a point that they never got before. Also, I think you know the performances, you know, with the players and the team that you know has been below par time this season, although sometimes it's been good as well. But I think he he got the feeling that maybe he couldn't take this team forward and that maybe that was the right time to call it a day. And I think it takes a lot of courage if you know him because, like I said before, you know, he always thought, and maybe in a bit of an arrogant way, that he was always the right man for the job at Arsenal. And I think for him to admit to himself and 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 also I think, you know, he knew that there was a lot of people at the board starting with Josh Kroenke who who were thinking it was the right time for him to move as well. It was not just his own decision. I think he felt that the boards were willing to, to to say goodbye as well. So I think all that together meant that he decided that you know this was this was the end. Right. You you mentioned um, for those who know. I mean, you you've spent a lot of time with him. How will he be feeling? How will 
How will this have impacted on him, a man who's given essentially 22 years to Arsenal full-time? Yeah, you, you know, I think you can you can like him or not and you can think that the last 10 years or 15 years that, you know, he has been good enough or, or whatever. But what you can't deny is how hard he's been working. But you just can't underestimate how much of his life and of his time and, you know, of his person is given to the club. And I think just for that, he... I think people need to need to keep that in mind. And I think the the, the issue for a long time was that he was he was always scared of what would happen next, what would happen after him leaving Arsenal. And I think that was that was a, a big issue as well in, in him thinking about okay, maybe it's the right time to go, but then what happened next? And I think for people like him, who Arsenal has been his whole life for twenty two years, that was always very scary. It was always a very scary thought. What am I going to do? What are going to be my days if I don't go to the training ground anymore? What am I, you know, he doesn't play golf. He doesn't really have any hobbies apart from from football, from Arsenal Football Club. That's it. That's all. That's his whole life. And and I think that was always a, a problem for him to, you know, to, to take that decision because he was always like, what am I going to do then? So is he going to go to another club? I don't think so. Is he going to do to a national team? I'm, I'm quite sceptical as well. So it'd be interesting to see what he does with his time. Right. And who do you think Arsenal are going to make their chosen one? Well, that's, that's, that's probably as, as, as a bigger decision as, as him leaving, to be fair, because we've seen it so many times. After must, such a long, must they long not legacy. have somebody? Sorry, Jules. Must they not have somebody already in place for them to make this announcement? I don't. I don't believe so. I might be wrong. I haven't been told they had someone already. They've agreed terms with, and that is ready to come in. I think they have uh, a few people in mind and contenders in mind that they know are interested in the job. I think Patrick Vieira is obviously one of them. I think Carlo Ancelotti, who for me is the favorite and my favorite as well. I think Carlo Ancelotti would be perfect to succeed Arsene Wenger in, you know, on, on the Arsenal bench. But I think they have a few names in mind, people who they've, they've been talking to before uh, in, case, in case Wenger decided to go. And I think, I don't think something is in place already, like you just, just need to sign the contract. But I think they will be quite advanced with some managers in terms of negotiations and things like that. Fascinating. Carlo Ancelotti, that produced quite a big frown from you, Michael. Yeah, I think Ancelotti is actually very similar to Wenger as a figure. Uh, I think they need someone who has fresh ideas. I mean, personally, my choice would be Mikel Arteta, who mm. was an absolutely massive influence at Arsenal as a player, came in at their lowest point when they just lost 8-2 to Manchester United. And really, him and Per Mertesacker, who came at the same time, kind of clubbed together and basically gave the side a kick up the arse. And I think those two as a partnership with Mertesacker working with the academy could work very nicely. Right. I'm I'm perplexed that all this would happen without them having somebody in place. Do you agree, Ian, briefly, that it's going to take them two or three years before somebody coming in can really make Arsenal a force again? Possibly. It doesn't always happen like that. Sometimes a big personality leaving can actually open up a bit of freedom. But Arsenal fans should be prepared. They should be prepared for the fact that this, this actually might take a little bit of time. All right. Well, probably nobody has Arsenal closer to their heart, nor has more direct experience of working with Wenger than Ian Wright. Kelly Cates spoke to him this Friday morning for the Totally Football Show. It's sad news for Arsenal Football Club, but I think that, um, the time is right. Um, if he if he left after 2014, I think um, that would have been even better. He wouldn't have had to take all the vitriol that he's had to deal with in respect of abuse, but I think it's right for him and it's right for the club now. 
How do you think the club will move forward? What kind of shape is the club in to, to move forward without Wenger? It's, it's, it's not in great shape. If we're going to talk about them from a management level, recruitment level, the man, and, and the players' attitudes, and then obviously the, the, the fans and how the fans feel at the moment. So there's a lot of hard work to be done in, in, in respect of galvanising the whole place. Hopefully can be galvanised. Um, but like I think there's a lot of hard work to be done. And the next manager that comes in has probably got one of the hardest jobs in football because Wenger is, is he, he was magnificent. I don't think his legacy will be um, will be harmed because he had done such great things. And I think that was just used as an excuse to say, oh, he's got to go because his legacy. His legacy is fine. He's done magnificent things. But I feel that it's for Arsenal now, not just Wenger, there's a lot of changes need to happen. The attitude of the players, the management... And, and, and the owner. There's so much needs to be done. This is just the start. And I'm not sure if the people upstairs are the right people in, in charge now. Do you think this gives Arsenal fans some perspective on Wenger's time at the club? And, and will we see them supporting the club, going back to watch the games at, at the Emirates and, and a and more positive attitude from them? Um, well, you, you hope so. Just, just to say goodbye and thank you for the great work that he's done for, um, for the club. But I, like I say, one of the reasons that I would have liked him to have gone after the 2014 was because of the, the abuse that a, a, a manager and, 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 and somebody at our club, he, he was the personification of everything that Arsenal represented in his class and his elegance and his dignity and honour in the way he'd done the job. And some of the things I had to read about him, and just because the players weren't playing well enough, and I think they've got a lot to answer for, was just too much to take and I'm pleased that that's going to end now with the fact that he's, uh, he's he's resigned or whatever and I said it last year that it was going to he, he, I felt like he was going to do it and and you know he's, he's, he's done it he's done it a year later but you know I'm just like I said I'm very sad about the situation but I'm quite pleased um, for, for the whole situation to be honest Nice one righty well let's just finish off then with some Wenger memories best of and worst ofs, and also a little thought about the Europa League campaign, which sees them on Thursday taking on Atletico Madrid. How is this going to impact? And let's recall, Arsene Wenger, this most European of managers, has never won a continental trophy with the Gunners. Michael, best bit, worst bit? I think Arsenal's best performance I've seen was a 5-1 win at Inter in about 2003, I think. Just brilliant counter-attacking football. It sums up what Arsenal all about. I think maybe the best moment is actually relatively recently. I think last year's FA Cup final win over Chelsea, when Arsenal were massive underdogs, they were mm. without their entire back three. And the thing I liked about that was they'd kind of learned from previous mistakes. They'd actually copied Chelsea's 3-4-3 system. It was a very un-Arsenal performance, but it was massively authoritative. And uh, really, I think it's a shame Wenger didn't bow out then because that would have been a great way to go. Mm. Yeah. I think uh, the development of, and the whole era of Thierry Henry, the, the bringing someone in who'd fallen short elsewhere, who'd been seen, you know, originally as a as a winger, and then turning him into not not just a brilliant forward, but he just he encapsulated everything about that Arsenal team: the the speed of thought, the speed of movement, the swagger. Um, that I mean, you can easily forget how good they were just because of how disappointing they've been in recent years. Mm. They're a hell of a team. Right, worst bit. Jesus, the following years. Okay, what what an extraordinary coda it will be, or final scene of this long reign, if he can bow out with European glory. This it would be romantic to think will give them an extra push 
in the matches to come from Thursday onwards. Yeah, you'd like to think so. And it is massively important, in, I think, in terms of whether they get their the right successor, the fact they would be playing Champions League football if they win the Europa League. I think it is a big deal. Um, and I think that maybe the one thing we haven't mentioned is the move to a stadium was a massive deal for Arsenal. Uh, building that kind of facility in pretty much the centre of London was a massive financial outlay. It meant that the playing budget had to take a hit. And Wenger, uh, you know, there's some quite complex details of Wenger choosing how steep the stands were and choosing the shape of a dressing room. And he took on a, a role that was above and beyond anything we've seen in English football, which has been a good thing and a bad thing. But I think it, it sums up his incredible influence on the club. Mm. Arsenal even more the favourites now against Atletico Madrid? Possibly. I mean, sometimes you know, a, a manager announcing that they're going to leave leads to a complete collapse in discipline. But as there hasn't been an awful lot of that anyway, um, I think everyone would hope that he'll go out with something. He has already spurned a number of perfect exit moments. So I really hope he hasn't blown it and they get knocked out in the semis. All right. Totally Football Show returns on Monday with further thoughts on the Europa League. But that has been today our Wenger special. A salute to the great man and to Ian McIntosh and Michael Cox for joining us here today with producer Ben and you listeners. I do hope you enjoy this new era of football. For now, it's goodbye. You've been listening to a special edition of the Totally Football Show. For the latest odds on Hall replace Arsene Wenger as Arsenal manager, check out our sponsor Paddy Power at paddypower.com.